Hey, it's Seeking Plum. We've all heard the phrase, there's no such thing as a dumb question, but is it true? In the book Deviate, The Science of Seeing Differently, Bo Lotto says, good questions, most aren't, reveal and build links in the same way the brain does in order to construct a reality. So is each question we ask making connections and helping us build a framework so that we can understand whatever it is we are trying to figure out? Let me read you a couple of excerpts about innovators and philosophers. Otto says, innovators begin the process of creating new perceptions by asking why, not just of anything, but of what we assume to be true already, our assumptions. Arguably, to question your deep assumptions, especially those that define you or your relationships or society, is the most, quote, dangerous thing you can do, as it has the greatest potential to lead to transformation and destruction in, quote, equal measure. It can have a, such a seismic impact precisely because it recasts the past, giving you new ways of thinking about concepts and circumstances that had previously appeared to be simply a set reality. If you don't ask why you have one response, there's no chance of creating a different one. Yet, learning to constantly ask why is not easy, especially in a time when information is seen to be so essential. If you heard the calls in follow-up to the free will episode, you may have heard this already. But when looking at Benjamin Libet's experiment and how the unconscious mind acts before we consciously decide to act, I talked a little bit about not being able to live in the present, but sort of from the future looking back that as we reflect, then we make course corrections. I bring this up because some of what Lotto is talking about when he references the past or the future tie into this idea. Okay, so innovators ask why, but not just of anything, but of what we assume to be true already, our assumptions. Later, Lotto writes, what philosophers do is take previous assumptions or biases or frames of reference and question them. This leads them to elaborate on them, or tweak them, or try to destroy them, to then replace them with a new set of assumptions that another philosopher will engage with in the same way. Whether philosophizing, innovating, or creating, or just living life, this kind of thinking can have an amazing impact. I particularly liked this quote of Lotto's. He says, to ask why is evidence of awareness, of proactive doubt. You may remember when we touched on the topic of doubt and how important it is. Anyway, I found all of this very fascinating because asking questions is such an important part of my life, but being able to articulate exactly why or how I go about it, that's, that's not exactly an easy thing to do, or at least it hasn't been for me. I, <laughs> I get wrapped up in the excitement of it, in the process of it, and I lose sight of trying to break it down in order to explain it. it that is if anybody is curious and I'm trying to express this to someone. So Lotto talked about this kind of thinking being suppressed by certain uh, organizations, institutions, uh, governments, etc. And I can see the problems with having a mass number of people of the population thinking like this.
challenging assumptions, asking, is this true? Why is this true? Why do we do it that way? Should we do it that way? And in some cases, I can understand. A government needs to be able to maintain order. And if everyone is challenging assumptions, this is going to be very difficult to do. As Lotto pointed out, if enough people start asking questions and thinking this way, this is how revolutions are started. But can you imagine if we had classrooms of students that instead of teaching them rote material and how to parrot it back, we taught them how to form questions that made connections and built frameworks. If we taught them to take assumptions and question them, to elaborate or tweak them, to destroy them and replace them with a new set of assumptions. Can you even imagine what that next generation would be like? Just thinking about that is exhilarating. For one, I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those classrooms and hear the conversations, the questions asked. Because young minds haven't been conditioned the way ours have yet. After learning and practicing this way of thinking for multiple years in their school career and then popping out the other end and then coming into the adult world, after learning and practicing this way of thinking year after year during their school career and then coming out into the world, the sky is really the limit. They can do anything that they want. But the, the really cool thing is, is that although it is a difficult thing to learn and I guess you could say master or become proficient at, it's still something that we can learn as adults or even hone it if it's something we already do. We can practice challenging our assumptions, asking, is this true? If yes, why? And if no, why? I know that as a society, we really can't have everyone thinking in this way, but with every person who does, that is another innovator, another philosopher, another creator. You know, we don't give enough credit to everywhere that creativity is happening. It could be a manager at Walmart or a grocery store and how they decide to change how they work between themselves and their employees. Not just logistically, but also with respect to how they interrelate. Innovation doesn't have to be just with respect to technology or engineering or any of those kinds of things. So I've used the word innovator and philosopher and creator, but really these things affect every area of our lives. So it doesn't really matter what our job title is, whether we're stay-at-home parents or uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we spend our lives. We can be just as seismically impacted, enriched, by challenging our assumptions, by deviating in the way that we think. And really, it all comes down to that one word, why?